Do I hear myself? Yes, I do. Oh, oh it's delightful here. It's delightful myself. here now, too. <laughs> oh, if you don't mind, I'm just going to talk to myself yeah, for a while. Too. It's just amazing. Maybe I'll sing a you little. You just sound so good. <laughs> it's dulcet. Well, welcome back to the shed, everybody. I'm glad to see everyone in here. Nice sunny day, late July, summer's full blast. Actually, the summer of no rain is full blast. But never mind all that. McNulty's looking at me like, oh my God, get on with it. We have a really special guest today. Nancy of New West is here in the shed with us today. Longtime listener, frequent contributor, always has something to say. So we thought, let's get her in the shed and save that six-week lag time between when she hears it and when we respond to it. We'll have her ask us a few things that she probably wants to know, and we'll definitely chase a couple of things that you've mentioned, Nancy. So welcome to the shed. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you, everybody. I am so excited to be here. (laughs) After listening to you guys for so long, it's nice to put a face to to you, because I've never met you before. I know, I know. Well, you know, our website is just full of his images, in case you ever... I always like to promo the website. RJ's a bit sensitive about how much time he spends and nobody goes there. There's been some tears, so I like to <laughs> promote that as often as I can. Uh, now that you've seen the shed for the first time, Nancy. Yeah, I, I do like the bathroom. Oh, you've been in there? Oh, I did check that out, yeah. Some fabulous tile work in there. Oh, it's great. And I love the Rainhead shower. Wow. So I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed. We've got the stove that I hear about. We've got the bowl of candy. And, wow. And KJ, you got tidied up a bit for Nancy, I yeah. see. Well, I did, Nancy. Yes. You're welcome. Um, no, I had uh, to do emergency acting. Oh. <laughs> Somebody inquired after they saw an audition of mine if I would get my hair cut for a callback. And I said, oh, yeah, 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 okay, I will. Nothing came of that. But then um, uh, this fellow actor was getting on a plane in Montreal to fly here, and the paramedics were called to the plane. I don't know why, but something happened to this guy. So he couldn't do the shoot. And it was only one day on uh, this show called uh, Yellow Jackets. Seen the trailer? Quite Not, exciting. Already, eh? A trailer already. It's a team, a soccer team of 16-year-old girls, and it says Canadian-American. The plane crashes in, it says a forest in Ontario, and they're lost for 16 months. So I think it's a little bit of Lord of the Flies. Now we see them all. So you see them pre-flight in the forest and who they are today. Geez, we had a nice, it's just one scene where parents of somebody who died in the forest, kind of a great experience. They hired me on Friday, fitting Friday night, and I shot Monday. That's emergency acting. What are you in the film? I'm a rich father. Hence the trim. Hence the trim. Because no rich guys have that eccentric madman look that you've been sporting for the last, (laughs) you know, year or so. apparently. No. Not in the real well, world. Well, maybe the Charlie Giradozis of the world. Richard Branson? Yeah, Richard Branson. Richard Branson. Fluffy, yeah. There you go. There you go. Come on. Yeah. I could play him. Who has the biggest spaceship, Richard Branson? Oh, yeah. God. Anyway, that's the story of my hair cut. Okay. Hair is cut. Enough about us. And we got to cover Schmigadoon later. Is it in the list? No. Well, we got to remember to do it anyway. So I understand you've been studying a little bit of a biography of Nancy, uh, PJ. What do you got there? For our listeners, a little background. Nancy and I and Rich used to work at a common employer. A large insurance corporation. A large insurance corporation that is not part of the government. And we've all left since then. And I think from our experience there, none of us would be surprised to know that really Nancy has been involved in a lot of stuff because she was involved in a lot of stuff at work. And... Even in responses to some of the stuff we've said on here, it's become clear that Nancy has interests. She mentioned Justice of the Peace stuff, which I had actually forgotten about until we began talking about would she come in. I can't believe I forgot about that. It might, you might even be talking about someone being an officiant. Exactly. We had that discussion I, about Justice of the Peace versus Marriage Commissioner. Yes, and yeah. thank you for that both. Not really, but yes, I was mistaken there. And in the note... 
that I sent back with Nancy, I th- I'd forgotten about the officiant thing because she said she couldn't talk to me on a given day because she had to go someplace for a meeting. Is an officiant, that, is it, uh, can an officiant do lots of stuff other than weddings as well? Absolutely not. Okay, so it's really a wedding officiant. It's a wedding offici- marriage officiant and not counselor. <laughs> Made that very clear to us. We're yeah. not marriage counselors. You don't do divorces? We No. We just go in and you bring me the piece of paper that the government issues. I don't care who you are, what you are. As long as you have that piece of paper, I get to marry you. And that's all I do. I'm in and out in about 30 minutes. Do they ever have you read uh, a first part of vows or any anything related in that regard? There's two legal pieces you have to do. One is where you declare... In front of your witnesses, there's no reason why you can't be married. And the other legal piece is you declare in front of your witnesses to take each other as husband, wife, 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 whatever it might be. And that's it. Everything else that we have in terms of a simple ceremony is completely flexible. If you want to change it, you can add your own things in it. You just can't have any references at all to religion. Okay. And you you can do, you may now kiss the bride. Is that almost every time or you may It depends now, on the culture. You may now kiss each other. Oh yeah. There's a lot of cultures. You can't do that. Okay. No PDAs at all. Um, public displays of affection. So, oh my goodness. So do you then just have a big list? Do you now have in fact a folder? You know, this culture, you go to that, I got to brush up on what I'm not allowed to even suggest or yeah. think about that kind of stuff. I'm kind of know them now. So you yeah, just memorized? I just kind of look at them and go, can you kiss the bride? And they just look at me, <laughs> deer in the headlights and go, no. What is this kiss you speak of? <laughs> Others can hardly wait. Right? So, they want to kiss yeah. right away. So, yeah. I mean, there's so many other stuff on the list of your experiences, but this is a particularly rich field of questions. Like, I was thinking about, I don't know what you can disclose or are willing to disclose, but... I just, I'm dying to know, like, what was the best thing that ever happened at one of these? I think the best one was the one I did in the nursing home. It's, it was sweet, but it was really hilarious because she was 92 and he was 86. And he was disabled in a wheelchair, but they both kind of wheeled, toddled in. And one of the nurses there played this beautiful song before the ceremony Everybody cried because their families were there and I was crying. And then we married them and it was very nice. And then afterwards I said to him, so is this your first marriage? (laughs) And he's like, no, it's my second. But, you know, I just really love her. And I said to her, is this your first or second? She goes, no, it's my eighth. (laughs) (laughs) And I just kind of went, okay, well, I'm not going to even ask what happened to the other seven. But she was just so excited. She loved being married. And then the youngest one I've had was 18. Wait, wait, do they have prenups? No, they were in a they were in an, an old age home. No, and it was matter. just doesn't matter. They might have so you know personal rockets and stuff. They might, but I don't think so. I mean, she could have because you know eight yeah, husbands that's later. Was, that's where I was going. Yeah, was like, exactly. The Black Widow. Yeah, she's yep. just collecting all these ancient guys keeling over but one that, after another. That does sound really special. The funniest, weirdest, the one that I think it kind of still bothers me Ooh. is he was nineteen. He didn't even have facial hair yet. And so we're standing in the park waiting for the bride to show up. He's with his mom and younger brother. His mom's younger than me. And this woman shows up, and I'm thinking she's just walking through the woods. But no, she's the bride. She's 33. She's from the States. She brings the rings. We do the ceremony. So I kind of went, do you want to kiss the bride? And he just starts to giggle. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, she just grabbed him and kissed him like, oh, for God's sakes, gives him a kiss. And then she takes off and he takes off with the mom and his brother. And I had to go deliver something the next day because I had forgotten to give them something. And so I delivered it to where he was living. It was a crack house in New West. She was no longer in the picture anywhere. So I kind of phoned my boss and said, did I really have to do that? Because it's really obvious to me this was oh, it's an immigration, an immigration issue, right? Yeah. And um, they said, as long as 
they come to you with that marriage license piece of paper, you have to marry them. Mm. And if immigration has an issue, they'll take care of it. Wow. So do you have an obligation to report to immigration any suspicions no. you have? Nope. Once they go to whoever is responsible for issuing the marriage license itself, you can get it from London Drugs or the insurance agency in New West. Cheerios box. Yeah, pretty much. Once you have that piece of paper, it's none of my concern how you got it or what you're doing with it. I just get to marry you. Other departments might have a concern, but it's got nothing to do with me. Wow. Wow. So, so I tend to think of one of those as a, as a transactional deal. You know, I do marriages, 70 bucks a pop, but I got a feeling you put in a bunch of hours. I do. Is it a, is it a per, per transaction thing or do you charge by the hour or what? Yeah. Well, both. So it's seventy eight dollars and seventy five cents and that buys you sixty minutes of my time including outrage. tax. It's an outrage. I know. What it's I, an absolute outrage because an independent marriage commissioner in Vancouver starts at three hundred. <laughs> Most of them are around 600 to get married. Holy. Uh, and a lot of people don't realize that the government has these appointed marriage commissioners that are really cheap. Yeah. So for $78.75, right. I will talk to you about what kind of ceremony you want, um, where it's going to be, give you some ideas of things you might not have thought about, tell you where to go get the license, etc. But I can also charge $25 an hour for anything over and above that. Sure, yeah. And I get to charge for my mileage. Well, that explains. <laughs> soon I got married. At the government rate of 55 Why cents. Why don't you drive in a Humvee then? <laughs> Something that really sucks back the gas. Soon I got married by some form of officiant, and I'll bet you would would have been a private one then. Because uh, yeah. we, we didn't even know about the uh, government option. Mm -hmm. yeah. Most people don't know about us, and they find about us find out about us through word of mouth, because we're not allowed to advertise. Have you ever thought about going into business? Yeah, I, yeah, it's a huge, lucrative business. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they get, get the, um, certified to do yeah. it because if the government's only going to pay me seventy eight seventy five, then why would they approve somebody else that's going to charge three to six hundred? I haven't figured that one out. You would think that having performed whatever seventy five or eighty ceremonies would go a long ways towards certification as a marriage commissioner. I think they may be using uh, religion as their premise for getting certified. Oh, so they I see. get their mail order uh, minister kind of status. Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into it. Can I take 10%? <laughs> so if I get you all connected and everything's in place? Well, 10% of what? Lifetime? What's your age take? year or what? 15. 15. Can I take 15? <laughs> no, it's wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm acting for Nancy here for how long? <laughs> well, I, uh, like although, a year? although I guess you could Ever? ask the same question about me. Where did my agency experience come from? How do I get into the agency business? I guess I need an agent's agent. Oh, yeah. And then I can get... Uh, to represent you to various people who might need agents. That's an awesome that's, idea. That's sort right. of a meta agent. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think that's an excellent idea, RJ. Yeah. What about Casey? Get on this. You guys. You live guys. in a world of agents. Move. Right, Nancy. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... Oh, well, okay. So what was the absolute worst? What was the... I mean, that one with the 19-year-old, that sounds kind of... Like yes. I said, creepy is a pretty good word for that. Yeah, so he that was, was in really a crack creepy. house. I still am. That so, shocked so, me. So basically, is what is the assumption is that he's in rough shape and here was a way to make some money? Yeah, he took some cash and that's it. Well, I got the feeling mom might have taken the cash. Oh, right. Yes, Oof. that sounds about right. Yeah, she was pretty predominant. She wasn't at the crack house. In fact, the crack house he was at with his, was with his father. So I don't oh, know better, what that was better. going on there. Wow. Mm -hmm. I just walked, I just needed to walk away yeah, from I it. Think it's that's no longer my plan. concern. In fact, yeah. I think having told right us that on. story, you should never tell anybody that story again. <laughs> just put it out of your mind and take some deep breaths, visualize calm blue oceans. Just that's an oof. But by and large, sounds like a pretty rewarding job well that was why it bothered me so much because this is the best day of most people's lives they're getting married to the person that they love it's so much fun there's lots of joy and tears and then you've got these people abusing it yeah. for a personal gain and, yeah. and it really bothered me mm -hmm. do people so we just talked about the difference between the costs mm -hmm. 
Anybody ever squawk about the 7875? I have been ripped off. Um, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, By a different we're, we're only allowed that. to take cash. We're not allowed to take ca- a check, uh, et cetera. And I was given the money and I didn't count it. And it was $40 short when I got home. Wow. And so I wrote to them and they said, oh, sorry about that. That was the last I ever heard. Mm. Wow. Nice. That's rough. I don't, there's no way I can go after them it was my fault i should have counted the money so now it feels very mercenary i get the envelope and i take the money out and i count, count it. it in front of them but, uh, yeah i do because <laughs> oh, it happened man. twice yeah so. but how twice. i mean once was by a f- an, uh, somebody i knew and i you guys really that? think it was a mistake but i don't know i wasn't was, going to make an issue out of it it was a f- somebody i knew <laughs> yeah <laughs> the list has been altered yep <laughs> but probably those people that didn't give you the 40 bucks that marriage didn't go well anyway they were 18 years of age and pregnant she had the baby with her oh, at boy. the ceremony oh, it was a low on shotgun money. marriage low on money i'll bet it was uh oh you probably you're asian <laughs> you probably okay you probably got to be married to qualify for certain benefits and services that the government offers to. Maybe. Yeah. Jeez, what a, that's. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, getting ripped off. Okay, did we get to worst? I can't remember. I think the worst was, no, I don't, I don't think I have a worst. I just have situations, like I've done surprise weddings. Ooh. For example, and I, a friend of mine was going to marry another friend of mine, and she wanted it to be a surprise. And so she arranged it all, and then she went and told her future wife's parents that she was going to be arranging this surprise wedding. Now, hang on. Who's getting surprised here? The other bride. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Right. Like, wow. Talk about <laughs> I don't even understand that. Why have, has she already proposed? Oh, yep. She'd already proposed, and she wanted to get married. They knew it was going to happen, so okay. she was oh. trying to set it up. So okay. the surprise is nice when. And the mother of the woman that was going to be surprised blew it, because she didn't like that idea. Oh. So it's a lot of pressure. my friend was furious that her mother blew this surprise. She thought that would have been so romantic. She would have loved it. <laughs> So they got married two weeks later, and guess who wasn't invited to the oh, wedding? Oh, wow. Yeah. Mom <laughs> did not get invited. So you must have a very high drama tolerance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> stuff sure. like that, wow. And you just imagine, you guys imagine you're standing there, there's people around, you're watching, you're seeing people talk and raise their eyebrows and shake their heads. You know that they're talking about the mom that blew it and now isn't invited. You know. <laughs> it just goes on and on. Eh? And it's fun watching. Uh, it's fun to do these weddings because of uh, who cries. Yeah. The guys. Yeah. I would say 65, 35, the men cry when they see their bride coming down the aisle. Oh. I thought it would be the sort of grown-ups. The adult, the girl. Oh no, the groom. The old people. Nope, groom cries. Oh, that's very good. That's very good. Which is fun. Yeah, and see, to me, that that speaks of promise. Yes, I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think one of my funniest too was um, I did a wedding again for people I knew, people that were in um, the comedy business. So a lot of us comedians were there, and I was officiating. And I said, so do you take David to be your lawfully wedded husband? (laughs) He's like, no, but I'll take Brian. (laughs) I completely called him the wrong name. (laughs) I was just like so grateful as I was in a room full of people who understand comedy. (laughs) Whoa, and that offers a lovely segue. In early episodes, we had referred to your comedic background. I believe you, RJ, you put a link to that episode. Right, in that right. episode to that. But what is the deal with that? Like, is that an active, ongoing thing? Sort of. What does that mean? It means that stand-up, I find to be an awful lot of work. It, yeah, it's yeah. a huge amount of work, more than I want to put into it, and it's too angst-driven for me. Storytelling, on the other hand, is based on things I've experienced. It's my truth. So it's way easier to write 
my a story and then try to deliver it. And I prefer to do that. But kind of COVID knocked all of that out of business for a while. So I have a couple of things in the in the bag that I'm working on. And I do like improv too. But again, COVID has yeah. put everything on hold for now. I don't know if they get paid, but I'm thinking of things like The Flame, which is a storytelling evening where people go in and you get five or ten minutes to tell a story. And, and it can be anything, but it has to have a point. And then there's the uh, like slam poetry and stuff like that. So yeah. I think there definitely is a market for that. I'm, I'm not quite there. I prefer <laughs> to go for something that has a point and, and make that point. And it can be entertaining or it can be pull at the heartstrings, whatever you want. But I, I've only been paid once. And usually by some somebody like the Arts Council of New Westminster, for example, they wanted to do a Zoom comedic evening, which we did, and for that they paid me. So then that begs the obvious question out of how many appearances. About how many times you stood up in front of people and told jokes? Yeah, I only got paid once. I get that, but yeah. how, <laughs> uh, how many unpaid does... Like- uh, not that many, because I only started after I retired. This is one of those things that... I thought I would just try. Actually, yeah, yeah. a friend dragged me into it, to be honest. And and I was a week late. And when I started, they said, okay, you've got five weeks left and you have to have a five-minute routine ready to go. Yeah, because on TV, the only way your routine gets better is if you try it out on audiences. That's why I asked that question. Yeah, not a lot. Yeah, I, I would love to try stand-up. The only issue with me is that I have such a poor reading about what people find funny that, and, and the way you do stand up, I believe is that you, uh, you go up there and you, you just fail. What do they call a bomb? Right. That's the whole idea. And then like, Oh, but the fourth joke they liked, right? Well, yeah. So, and then the, this third one, they didn't like, why is that? So you're just basically, you got to do like 10 times. That's, that's what you fine tuning. And then all of a sudden it's just like this magic where, uh, people really have a great time. Well, and if you, if you take Seinfeld at his word, He's down to specific gestures. When I turned my hand to the outside, I got a better laugh than when I turned my hand to the inside after I delivered the punchline. Yeah, He's yeah. down to just micro, micro bits. And I, I, so you said a lot of work. I totally believe it. I'm just thinking, what's the nature of the work? If you, you've, Like Richard said, you've got to find material that you think is funny, first of all, but then is it going to be funny for the person you're telling it to? And I, like you, have a bit of a warped sense of humor. So I tested everything on my partner, and then I decided to use her as the fodder for my comedy as well. And I knew I was okay because I had to practice this thing 30 times a day to get it down to four and a half minutes. But she laughed every time. So I thought, okay, I'm good. Where I'm okay, she's still laughing, even though it's all about her. Do you have to but drop it's jokes hard. if people laugh for too long? Yeah, you do have to watch your timing. You get five minutes or you get hooked. Yeah. So and like if you if go over yuck, your f- five minutes, up. yeah, if you go over five minutes, you don't get asked back. Whoa. Yeah, but I mean, if I had like a minute continuous of laughing, I'd be willing to ditch three or yeah. four jokes. <laughs> as long as you get it. <laughs> but yeah. you got to have the presence of mind to do it. To do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How to do that because yeah. it all flows maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sure. You've got my script, right? <laughs> don't take me off script because I don't well, know how to ad lib in the middle of an act. <laughs> trust me, if I'd had time to do those four jokes, you'd realize by now the piano was halfway out of the back of the trucks. <laughs> See, so maybe you should try it. You should. (laughs) That's pretty good. I know a great teacher. (laughs) Yeah, I would never have the nerve for that. I just, I'm pretty sure I would never. No, exactly. There has to be something that flips in your brain that I've, I've heard comedians say they love it. Certain, not everyone, but I mean, a comedian say she loves it when she bombs. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just soak it in. Well, you know, you're safe in here unless you say anything that isn't funny, in which case we'll crucify you. (laughs) You've probably heard us doing that to other guests. So mean sometimes, Skin. Well, you ought to know. Nancy, tell tell us about our mutual friend, Alan Alan Morgan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Do you know him? Yeah, he's he's in here all the time. He's the godfather of both my children. Alan is my writing teacher. Yeah. Um, Well, I know you're... You did that project. I did. In New West, yeah. Yeah, we did A Year of the Queer. 
He was the queer artist in residence for yeah. New Westminster. Uh, he convinced us to put on a little salon show and present our stories, which was an extremely moving afternoon. And now we just finished doing Year of the Pandemic. And we were able to put on another salon kind of show at the Anvil Theater, which they streamed. And we're now working on stage three. We're not exactly sure what it is. He works in partnership with Jessica at the Massey Theater. Right. Massey Theater is just, the city has bought it. So they're looking at making some changes and putting in a sound studio. Oh, wow. So we may be, Alan, we may be doing our own podcasts. Oh, oh, cool. Through New Westminster Massey. We're not sure yet. That would probably be pretty good. I'd listen to that. But I love Alan. He's a cool guy. I heard him tell his side of the story when you said something about the shed dogs. You, you know the shed dogs? Like, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah, I listen to that all the time. Is what you said. And he went, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's a lot of synchronicities that keep popping up with that guy and who we both know. I bet. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, he's got a brilliant mind. Uh, I missed his show. I wish I'd seen it. I walk alone, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you'll be doing that again. You will. You will. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I want to hear now about roller skating. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't have the list in front of me, but I thought. Did you say your parents were professional roller skaters? They were. What is up with that? Well, it was what the nineteen. 30s 40s in vancouver and they would go roller skating and they became professionals they would go all over the pacific northwest doing shows like dance kind of dance and jumps and spins and costumes the whole bit oh cool so when we, um, we came along of course that was put on the back burner for a while but then my mom and dad were invited to start a class at the oldest guaymalt arena in Victoria, and they became the resident pros there. So we had a huge number of people that roller skated, and we put on shows. And one day, when I was about ten, we appeared on the Ida Clarkson show, nice, and skated. And we ended up going to Nanaimo and putting on a show in the arena up there. And I skated with roller skates for about nine years. Holy. Continually. That was pre ice skating and roller skating. Before roller blades. Oh, yeah. This is wooden wheels, which I still have my skates. Wooden? Wooden wheels on polished concrete, and heaven help if you hit anything. Yeah. yeah. Your ass over tea kettle before you know it. Wow. I, Haley of Montreal will be fascinated by this because she was just telling me the other day they're going to go roller skating. And I said, not roller blades. She said, no, I want to go with the. The wheels. Roller skating, yeah. And growing up in California, that thing where you'd go skating in circles, we didn't have ice down there. So there was a roller skating kind of rink. Yeah, there's still one in Surrey, I think, isn't there? I think there is. Surrey Center, isn't there? Stardust is over there. Stardust, I think, is still there. Uh, that explains so much, though. I didn't. uh, I didn't. I didn't read in anything to the whole business of your parents were pro. But now that you tell us, yeah, that explains a lot. All right. Explains a lot. All good. All good. And we heard about, okay, so this intergenerational program, we just heard about that with Alan of, I don't know where. East Van. Alan of East Van. He's a guy we should also get in here at some point. If he was willing. He sounds like he's quite famous. He might be too big for us. We'd just no. talk, to, talk to his people? Yeah, we might have. You know, again, if we could get our meta agent <laughs> to find us an agent to talk to his agent, then things might work out. <laughs> okay, so just as a as a little note here, Nancy's mentioned she has interest in writing and doing comedy and stuff, and Nancy's real last name is Cato. Nancy Cato, if you want to get a hold of her about any of the stuff she's talked about here, if you want to promote her, for example, for an appearance on a TV show that's maybe a little more current than the Ida Clarkson show, <laughs> that's her real name. Just, uh, you know, just in case. We checked, by the way, before we said her name out loud on here. But Cato, that sounds almost... Uh, Japanese. Is that- it is Japanese. All right. Not almost. Okay. It, it, and it's kato. Oh, is it? Ah, ah I know. Okay. I don't correct people, That's but it is know. kato. Okay. Well, Steve yes. Buscemi says Buscemi, and, and he doesn't correct people either. It's not worth it. All right. But then, uh, but everybody at uh, work would have called you Nancy Cato, right? They like, did. Absolutely. That's the way yeah. it is. But you didn't bother trying to. Nope. 
It was whatever was easy. So your dad... For four letters, I wasn't going to get into an argument about it. She with everybody again and again. And so again. is your dad um, Japanese heritage, but born in Canada? Or was he born in Japan? Or Dad is half Japanese. My grandfather, full Japanese, was born in Vancouver. Uh-huh. And most of the family... But his my great-grandparents came from Hiroshima. Oh, Wow. What what uh, what year would that would have been before? before? Yeah, they came over here. I believe, I f- I've just found out actually. My grandfather, sorry, my great grandfather came over. I believe in eighteen ninety two three, and he jumped ship. He was on a merchant ship, and when he got to Vancouver, he jumped ship and settled here. Oh my goodness! Got married. I don't know where grandma came from, but he great grandma but he found her and they got married and they were settled in maine and 39th area and had numerous children they had their first child a girl they actually took her back to japan and left her there with an aunt who didn't have children and then came back here and had more children and lived there until, of course, the Edict of 1942, which then sent them all over the province. To various To camps. various relocation camps. Wow, that's quite a story. I mean, I don't know how much you know about how they managed to settle in and what that must have taken. That must have been a thing, though. Yeah, it was huge. My, they settled in places that, like Salmon Arm, and Revelstoke, so they didn't end up at Tashmi, for example, which would have been really rough and having to build their own tar, shack, tar paper shacks. But um, they still, they lost everything. They had oh. to leave with the one suitcase. Yeah, and when it's all over, yeah. they don't get their stuff back, right? No, and two of my great uncles, because Jeez. they were single men, they were considered to be more of a threat, so they were sent to the prisoner of war camp over in Ontario. Um, and then my grandfather, meanwhile, he's gotten, he's the first Nisei to be enlisted in the Canadian army. So he was actually fighting over or enlisted in, in Europe, got assigned to British intelligence and worked as a interrogator at the POW camp in Burma. Hmm. So he's over there interrogating his own people for can for Canadian army while his family is being torn apart and pushed into mm. different relocation camps and his own children my dad and his sister were pretty much forced out of Duncan and i have a, a letter that my grandmother wrote to the paper blasting them for calling her children the yellow peril and basically wow. forcing them to move out of there and they came to Burnaby but really? it wasn't any easier there. I mean, you couldn't hide that these children were half Japanese. So their lives were pretty difficult. Sue, Sue has a part of her family's from Duncan. She's of uh, Chinese heritage. And so we're, we're actually going to be over there and we're going to go to the bike shop there because the, they used to have the grocery store, like classic Chinese owners of grocery stores. It's now a bike shop and they still own it. So it should be interesting. But I, I'm curious what it was like for the Chinese then. I'm not sure. I think, you know, I think they got a reprieve when they started picking on the Japanese. Right. Uh, Because they'd been there for so much longer and done all the railway work and had their standard. Okay. We own a restaurant. Okay. That's okay then. And they owned lumber camps. So there was the Mayo lumber camp on the island, which was owned by the East Indians. And then there was... The name's just flown out of my head. There was another one up north that my grandfather actually worked with that was owned by the Chinese. Chinese. Okay. So they managed most of the the lumber on there the you island. Go. There you go. Um, and then when my the war came and my grandfather was pushed away and my dad was forced out of Duncan, I think things just kind of settled down. I would th- hope anyway that the things settled down. But there's a really good book called little city in big country, I think it is, or something like that. It's all about Duncan. It's all about mm. the Chinese and the Japanese on the island at that time. Wow. It's fascinating. Wow. And you may find some of Susan's family even mentioned in there if yep. they had store. My grandfather's mentioned. Our house is still there in Duncan. So I go by it every time I drive to Duncan. Oh, really? really? Yeah. It's a great little history. Yeah. There's a 
book I read way back there in the 70s and 80s, it was, uh, there's this guy, Barry Broadfoot. He did a series mm-hmm. of books that were interviews with people. He did one about settling Canada at the turn of the last century. And he did one about the war years. And a number of the people he interviewed in there were uh, people that got sent off to internment camps. And they told their stories and published in that. It's the first yeah. view of that I heard. It's pretty good, though. Like, it, it's just really direct here's the life we had here's what happened to it here's what happened to the businesses and the assets that we used to have here's how life was in the places that they sent us to and why they said they sent us there that kind of stuff pretty interesting read if you if you ever wanted to know about it ito is another writer Uh, we went to war is a really good book and the enemy that never was yeah and they didn't talk about it a lot like the ones that i had a relationship with like grandpa when I would ask him about being Japanese or the war, he would just say, nope, yeah. I fought too hard for you to be Canadian. So no, you're not going to learn Japanese and no, you're just going to learn to be a Canadian. Oh. So the best I could get out of him was learn how to use chopsticks. Wow. <laughs> that was it. He'd also signed a 50-year secrecy <laughs> act. 50 years past now though, right? Oh yeah, long. T- that's when I started asking, but no, he... He just didn't want to talk about it. him and, and his brothers. They never wanted to talk about it. Well, I always just think it must take an awful lot to try to get past all of the feelings and the hurt and the anger that you would experience in those situations. And yet, and yet if we you don't talk about forget. it, it does go on. It, yeah, yeah you know, it do, well, that's, that's the problem. That, yeah, we, I discovered that in that story that I wrote and sent yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah. You guys want to do listener mail? Listener mail? Do we have listener mail? Yeah, we have some from uh, Nancy of New Westminster. Oh, <laughs> wait, <her again>? what? <laughs> She's just so obnoxious. She's always writing. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's do some listener mail. We love listener mail, Nancy. That's, That's the misdirect because the first one's from Lee of Courtney. Oh. Hi, dogs. Good wide-ranging show. That's uh, episode 116, Saucepan Dogs. Thanks to it, I now know for sure that my Lagostina pen which I always call call frying pan, is actually a saucepan. It meets all the descriptors, tall sides, large bottom, one long handle, so thanks for that. Also, when RJ was talking about the internal combustion engine and and mentioned I knew a couple of valves were involved, the first time I heard it, I thought he said a couple of vowels were involved. (laughs) A head-scratch moment, and then after I figured I had to have misheard and listened again, I got it. But it gave me a laugh and reminded me, see, regular comedian, right? Vowels. <laughs> <laughs> so listeners, maybe don't encourage him. <laughs> I'm here all week. <laughs> Try the veal. Reminded me of a thing we had in public affairs at ICBC called the goat board. I don't know if you remember it, PJ, but it was posted on Kim's office door. And over the years, it grew to be huge. It all started when we were discussing something someone had said that was kind of goofy. And someone said, we should have a quote board for stuff like that. And someone else misheard it and it became a goat board. (laughs) Goat board? What should we put on that? And that did it. The board was born. Anytime someone said something asinine or grabbed the wrong word and ran with it, someone invariably would call out goat and on the board it would go with attribution. The board grew to be a stopping point for people walking down that hallway. One of the crowning achievements was when a particularly annoying manager said, in a meeting with a few of us communication types, my brand managers are not the suppositories of all information, you know. (laughs) My colleague gently said, "Uh, I think you meant repository. And the manager said so superciliously, I know what I meant, and I meant what I said. Oh, yeah, on the goat board for sure, with attribution. Well, see, and I want attribution here and now this minute. That's what I was missing from that. I'd like to know who that was. And uh, Nancy from New Westminster, writing on number uh, 117, Spam and Banana Sandwich. You guys crack me up. Thank you. Regarding what is an ideal banana. So, Nancy, what's an ideal banana? The one still on the shelf. (laughs) <laughs> not past these lips <laughs> oh. Oh. all right so uh it says here i will admit that i ate them as a kid never with peanut butter yuck 
but I had a time in my life where I had developed allergies to everything. And after reintroducing foods back into my diet, bananas were left on the floor. Can't stand the smell of them. They smell like nail polish remover, and it just makes me want to vomit. And when you eat cilantro, does it taste like soap? No. Love cilantro. Okay, so it's not maybe See, not. that's just wrong. That's, so I that's don't, wrong. This, doesn't, things don't add up for me here. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know that I've ever heard of anybody who doesn't like bananas. Texture, well, smell. Ever, we yep. have more mail to read, I believe. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> says here, I love reading. And RJ, you just need to drop the phone and pick up that book. I have about four going at any one time. And during early COVID, I would read two to three books a week. Really enjoying the history of Van Gogh right now, as well as Becoming by Michelle Obama. I like murder mysteries, fantasy, and science fiction. I also have Kobo and Kindle on my phone, which allows me to turn the corner down and highlight where I left off. And if you forget who a character is, you can do a search. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've read books on the phone as well, and I, I like that, just being able to look things up. So see, you have no excuse. No excuse, not none whatsoever. But so, as a matter of interest, do you prefer the hard copy or the e-copy of a book? Do you prefer reading them on your Kobo? Your I kind of prefer the soft cover the paperback book. where yeah. I can lick my finger and turn the pages. Yeah. And I do turn them down. I don't use bookmarks. The heck with that. I'll lose them. Right on. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been asking a number of people and just people seem to be against me. <laughs> for turning the corners? Yeah, for turning oh, no, the you corners. You have to turn yeah. the corner. Yeah. I don't really care much about it. I don't do it because I typically will use just whatever. If there's an envelope laying on the table and in my place there always is an envelope, just throw that in there. I don't care. But what about that in the room here? Anybody in the review too? My preference is for a, a real physical book. I, I don't love, when I read online, like in a Kindle or on my phone or the iPad, it bugs me after a while. My eyes get tired. I just don't know what it is. It's not, doesn't work for me. I, have, I read the whole Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. I think I was on a business trip and um, I good. completely would, on the phone, and I per- completely forgot that I was using the phone. Okay, it just good. went bang, 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 because it's such a great story, right? KJ, you? You just read? I don't read. I think we <laughs> we established we established last time that KJ does not read. Oh, I haven't and, for uh, quite a while. And ah. yet in the mail, I get all the, uh, you know, criticism, but I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I got dragged into it. I never said I didn't read. But in the mail, it's like, oh, you got to read. Wait, wait. You, you guys. I actually read. I just said I read junk all the time. Yeah. But I read lumped in with the illiterati here. Nancy from New Westminster goes on to say, you have to like spam to enjoy spam masubi. And it was indeed originated in Hawaii. It actually contains only six ingredients. Now you're talking spam, right? Yep. Pork with ham meat added. That counts as one. Yeah, isn't pork and ham the same thing? I'd, why is this well, troubling me? Ham is a cut of pork, correct? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just thought it was all pig all day. Mm. Uh, salt, water, potato starch. That's for texture, I guess. Like to hold it together. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sugar. To give it that gummy texture. <laughs> and the favorite that you find in all these kind of preserved meats, the sodium nitrite. Did you say sugar, eh? Yeah, yeah, I'm disappointed in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We grew up on Spam because it was cheap. My mom fried it. Fried Spam's great. Yep. Made sandwiches, breaded, and roasted it. I admit that I still like it in a sandwich with mustard and mayo. You bet. I thought about bringing in Spam for today, but I <clears throat> I just didn't have it logistically in me. Uh, we thank you for that. No, it's, it's huge in Korea. When you go to Korea to the Safeway, they have an aisle that's, what, I don't know, 40, 50 feet long. It's all Spam. Is it spam or is it click it's and spam, spam everything else? Spam everything, every kind of taste added to it, every flavor added to it. And we went to one restaurant because we were hungry and we wanted picture menus. So we found one and we went and sat down and the place was absolutely packed. And we opened, the, this was about a six page menu that was probably a foot and a half tall and it was nothing but spam. So they have it flavored? Yeah, they can come with a tomato or with mustard or kimchi. with kimchi. Wait, 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 I gotta just hold on, hold on, like out of the can. Yeah, 
that you can get like barbecue flavored spam. I didn't look really hard because I couldn't believe it. But yeah, I you can't can get believe it either. In like, mustard sauce and in ketchup and in oil and olive oil wow. and all different kind of flavors. And then you go to this restaurant and you get spam pizza, spam wasabi, spam sandwiches, spam everything. Wow. We left. <laughs> wow. Didn't want spam. All right, letter from uh, Michael of Coquitlam. Wow. And this is a terse letter, I'd say. Michael's letters are always terse. Gentlemen, comma. <laughs> Didn't do a colon. Did a colon. It doesn't say hi. It doesn't say fantastic work. Gentlemen. Gentlemen. What the hell? <laughs> Why don't you read books? There's nothing better. <laughs> Haven't you heard of the theater of the mind? Sometimes it takes a bit of effort. Here's a couple books to read. Red Shirts by John Scalzi. The Passengers by John Mars. Michael and Heather from Coquitlam. Oh, no, that was the uh, signature line. <laughs> Tip your waitress. Still working on the routine. And, and then he went and sat on that for a while, and like 30 minutes later he got, So, I'm surprised about you not reading books. Heather and I got to the library about every week and a half. Get to get to the library. There's something about the physical aspect of picking up a book and turning the pages. Go to the library, browse a bit, and take out some books. You can always take them back. I think it's a good idea to take the books. <laughs> and they are free! Exclamation point. Avid readers, Heather and Michael. <laughs> Very good. Thank you for that, Michael. In my defense, I'm now over halfway through Fantasyland by Kurt Anderson, and that's been my summer read. It it's taken me a month to get through half a book, but I am there. I'm. I'm You're not going to credit it. Michael with this inspiration, are you? Because in the theater of my mind, I'm turning out the lights on him. <laughs> pretty. I was pretty offside. I feel attacked, violated. <laughs> we're working on getting Michael in here, aren't we? Well, we were right up until we read that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, kidding. On my list, I got uh, Guns, Germs, and Steel by Jared Diamond. And that's that's a to-read list? Yeah. What's the genre for that? The rise or the creation of capitalism through seeds and the uh, variety of seeds in Mesopotamia because there was a cold climate and a warm climate you know, 3000 BC kind of thing. So I'm, I'm going to guess that probably nobody gets blowed up real good in this, this book. I'm thinking not. I, I think it's more of a historical thing. Seeds were probably currency then used as currency. Do you think, or no, it's just something that somebody really wanted. Well, it's just that they realized that they could start to move these seeds around. And that's when agriculture that became the currency, oh, right? right? Right, yeah. So you could take it because there's seeds that can grow in this climate here so we can move it further into that climate. And I have no idea. I haven't, I just, uh, it was recommended to me. Okay. The end. Thank we you. got a nice little uh, email from uh, Terry of, is it? Um, Janelle? Janelle, that's it, yeah. Terry of Janelle. I was looking for some other. T- oh, Huey. Huey, sorry. sorry. Let's, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, Nancy, that's a, that was his nickname back in the was day. His real name's Terry. His nickname was Huey. Okay. Huey, Huey of Janelle says, was in Caslow last week and got my wife to take a photo of my new T-shirt. Isn't it awesome? It was just a, a little nice thing. We'll put a, a photo. Uh, we'll put this photo in the uh, show notes and on your uh, podcast app. Because the point of the photo really wasn't his T-shirt at all. It was a lovely International Harvester Travel All. Did I get that correct? Yeah. Uh, that he was happened to be standing beside in the photo. That uh, Very, very similar to KJ's. Different colors, though. Really nice, too. Jeez, it was in perfect. Pink shape. Floyd the Wall t-shirt. Yes, t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, in closing, we have a missive from Susan of Rosslyn. She opens... Jesus, there is nothing I enjoy so much as listening to Rich's well-pondered logical reasons why any given thing is just so. And then hearing Pat's rebuttal and Kevin laughing. Dream sequence. There were so many times I guffawed loudly during this episode, and this is uh, your, your dream, KJ. 
Uh, oh, one was yeah. deaf KJ going all WWF during his dreams. <laughs> my contribution, waking up and shrieking quietly at the hand directly in front of the, my face, only to realize that, yes, that is your own hand. <laughs> Joni Mitchell, that is, there is a great recent interview with Joni by Cameron Crowe. I'm looking forward to reading that. It's in the LA Times, and we'll put a link there. She's singing again. I had no idea. So Joni Mitchell singing again. We we covered that before uh, five years back. I thought she was almost, you know, not going to be with us much longer. But she's singing again. The soprano is gone, of course, but at least she can sing a bit. I bow to no one in my love of her music and my respect for her genius. And Hijira, or Hijira, I think it's Hijira, is my favorite album, with Amelia being my favorite cut from it. That song just haunts me. Spam Sushi. Had it years ago in Hawaii. It was sort of okay. The Spam was fried and warm inside the roll, but I don't think its flavor goes with nori wrapping. It also had a sauce similar to teriyaki, which went with it really well. My advice is just do the fried Spam and teriyaki sauce. But cold Spam? Uh, no. No, no, no. It's like cold haggis. Too much fat content, making it lard-like to eat. Oof. Oof. And she liked the <laughs> quote that spam should just be under a centimeter. <laughs> yeah. She yeah. says, LOL. Another great episode by all. Thanks for the highly valuable information and the laughs. Susan Thelma from Rosslyn. Thank you, Susan. Do we have one more in there from Lee of Courtney? Um, you can look it up. I didn't find it. I cannot find look it, it up, actually. actually. Yeah, I'm sorry. Don't have it. Because uh, the reason I ask is because I believe she expressed a banana preference very similar to our guest, Nancy. You are right. Is It It might be possible that I only read the first. Maybe. Is it an email? You can just pull it up there, Richie. This, and I was going to remark on how simpatico you and Lee of Courtney tend to be. Excellent. On these things, on so many of these things. It's a bit disturbing. Oh, you must know Lee of Courtney. I do know. You worked with her. I did. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I'm kind of wondering if you're communicating behind our backs. Well, can't tell you that, though. (laughs) Well, you will. (laughs) Don't make us force you to tell us. Girls have to stand together. No, it's true. She had the I'm same so opinion. I'm so happy to hear she doesn't like bananas. Yeah, she had, and there was. There's been a few where it's like I'm with I'm with Nancy of New West on that. You know, I'm just kind of thinking, what the hell is going on? Yeah, you are right, but I I don't have it. That's all right. We will get to it, Lee of Courtney. Don't you worry. And uh, she doesn't like bananas. If I can just do a summary. Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> well, let's put it this way: if there's only enough food for three people, and it's you. And Nancy and Lee, sorry, Rich. They're on the page. We're not. Unless bananas is on the menu. Yeah. yeah. In which case, then we you win. you get them all. We win. Nancy, do you have a ghost in your, in your property? Your current I, property? Not current. The last one, yes. And childhood, yes. Okay. Yeah, so the childhood one was in our house for forever. And... Um, to the point where uh, friends would not stay over. Were you scared? No, we weren't. He, it was a friendly ghost. Yeah. Um, it would it would irritate me because it would, for some reason, focus on my room and trash it. So wow. I'd come home from school and there'd be papers and all over the place and my books would be off the bookcase and mom yelling at me to clean up my damn room. But I didn't do it. So then I started blaming my brother, and then we started testing and realized that, no, he wasn't doing it either. And then things started happening all over the house. And uh, we had a garage underneath our living room, an old 1960s house style. And my dad could keep hearing the metal garage door going up. And so he'd run downstairs, and the door would be closed. And he would... He would do that a couple of times a night and make us all laugh. And we just called it our friendly ghost playing pranks. But he, or he, I always figured it was a he, I don't know why, but he loved my room. But I got the feeling he also tried to protect me. And for example, well, maybe, because for example, when I was a bit older, I was about 16 and I had gone out and gotten the pill but i hid it 
in my room so my mom wouldn't find out. And I came home from school one day and it was sitting on the kitchen table. So I grabbed them before she saw them and put them away and thought, what the hell? How did that get there? And then later, because we, her and I never got along, I was going to run away, elope, and move to Australia. So I'd gotten the passport application, the immigration papers, and filled them out and hidden them in my room. And she picked me up from school. We came home together, and I just walked in and thought, oh, good, the room's not trash. Thank God. And then she called me and said, come here. And I went into the dining room, and there were all my papers spread out all over the dining room table. Wow. So busted. Uh, probably a good thing, because I never did elope or move away. But there was wow. always... Oh, and then this, the funniest was the, the seance we had when we were a kid, about 11 years old, and I had five friends over, and we had a candle in the middle of the floor, and we're holding hands, and we're calling back Muffin and all our favorite pets. And all of a sudden... The candle blew out and the steel door between the basement and the workshop slammed open. And as we were running up the stairs, Dad's coming down to yell at us because we slammed the, the door. Noise. We're screaming at the top of our lungs because <laughs> this happened. So he calmed us down. And when he went back downstairs with us trailing him, the candle was lit in the middle of the floor, <laughs> glowing away, and the door was closed. Wow. So that went on for Always. There was always something going on. My grandmother hated staying there because she could sense things and it was always making lots of noise. We got so used to the noises, we didn't, didn't even pay any attention to them. Well, there's so much to unpack here. I know. It's so exciting, though. I'm dying I to know it. how you ever sold the house. We didn't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Why would we tell anybody? Nancy Actually, what happened was can't. I moved away when I was... Uh, um, 17 I had gone down to the states to live with my aunt for a while and my mom wrote to me about five months later and said I think the ghost is gone and she said she never heard it again after oh, wow. that left when you did well yeah missed me and when I didn't come back huh? went wherever ghosts go so how old were you when you were planning on eloping 16 16 Oh, so you were still 16. So you had a boyfriend from Australia? No. I oh, had you... a boyfriend and we decided to go to Australia. Oh, okay, okay. Because yeah. that's wow. kind of as far away as you can get and still speak English. Yeah, it's exactly. kind of roughly the opposite. Yeah, Not that yeah. far from the opposite. Yeah, wow. That's a pretty good story. They, they For all you new listeners, because I'm sure there's hundreds of new listeners every episode, uh, that the context there was we had talked at some point about Riverview. And I mistakenly thought they were building condos out there. They are not. Uh, and the conversation was in here with us was like, would you live on the grounds of River? And my answer was no. And Nancy wrote in and said, I got some stories. So there you go. You, you got some stories. That's like I said, how you would sell the house. But I guess it didn't matter. No ghost at that point. Right. And then when I moved into New West, I'm actually on my legal address is Penitentiary Reserve. So I lived behind the old warden's house with rumors that there was a graveyard there mm. at one time. And I had a lofted apartment. And I swear to God, there was people walking across the floor all the time up there. And I'd go upstairs and look and think, oh, great, I've got another one following me. But it was like sleeping and being woken up in the middle of the night bolting straight up for the noise because it was stomp, 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 stomp. My cat sitting at the end of the bed with every hair on its body standing straight up looking up at the ceiling. And then me <laughs> grabbing the, the rolling pin mm. and creeping up the stairs to see what was there. And there was never anything there. And I did have an attic crawl space and I asked a friend of mine to go and have a look at that. And he said, there's nothing. There's not even squirrel trailings or anything the place is so clean it's nothing there but um, people could hear it if they stayed overnight well just in the interest of uh, detective work are you experiencing any supernatural business where you live now no nothing and i'm just down the street i'm just down the street from where i used to be but no graveyard there okay you know where i was going right what's the common denominator me yeah well, that is the rumor that certain energies draw 
Is that right? Yes. I didn't, I don't even. Particularly female energy will draw poltergeists. Did not know that. Yes. So that is what they believe happens. And so I'm not surprised because I've had so many different experiences of things that weren't really there. Well, it's less for the rest of us. I'm okay with that. (laughs) Pretty, Pretty much for sure okay with that. Can we just do a quick segue into Schmigadoon, though? You're in a in a brand new production that's just been out. Nancy, have you heard of that one, Schmigadoon? No. With an exclamation mark? It's, no. It's a play on musicals produced by Lorne Michaels, and it's on Apple TV+. Plus. So, listeners, if you don't have Apple TV+, Plus, you can, if you happen to have bought an iPhone or a Mac or something recently, you get you get it free. So you could subscribe to it that way. It's like free for a year if you buy a device and there's a 30 day free trial if you just Oh yeah. So just do, do your 30 day free trial and you can watch Mega Dune. But I haven't, I haven't seen anything yet except the trailers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the first two episodes were released on the first day. Right. Um, anyway, so they'll keep, uh, they'll keep releasing them anyway. Fantastic show. I don't, I wouldn't call it a parody because a parody kind of pokes fun at stuff. It's a high-end musical in and of itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is kind of based on the concept of Brigadoon, which is a mythical land where, you know, the couple goes there and they can never get out of it unless they can find true love. Much ensues with that, including including the uh, man who who has a, a, a sweet, young, kind of sexy girl woman, really. And her father is played by none other than K.J. McNulty. With um, full hair and beard. Full hair and beard and shotgun. And shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> and featured in the cliffhanger after episode two, it's you. Your face fills the screen. Nice. Oh, yeah. It's just Ooh. like. Is he all enraged? Is that uh, he's is? really mad and yeah. that <laughs> cuts off, right? Oh my God, what's going to happen next week? <laughs> And the dancing and singing is amazing too. Like, yeah. and then, you know, they go to talk to someone. Why are you, why do you guys sing all the time? What are you talking about? <laughs> they, they don't even know. It's just that, that, that level of magic. So Apple TV, Apple TV plus, you need yeah. that little plus sign there. So KJ, you, uh, had the wild hair in Brigadoon. You now have less wild hair. We were just mm. getting into your new production is that right where are we you talking going? about his emergency acting bit? where are we going with we all covered this? that we, yeah we, we did that it. yeah you can okay. splice this in maybe right now mm-hmm. yep what splice that first part into uh, yep i could except for rich looks way dumber if i leave it this way <laughs> yeah that's so, good yeah why would i do that's that? fine what are you watching <laughs> these days nancy what what's on what do you do you do social media do you no I'm kind TV. of a Luddite when it comes to things like streaming and stuff, but I have Netflix finally, and I have Prime. Yeah, same, same. Um, Both so cases. my partner doesn't like blood or violence or fantasy, so I do all my TV watching when she goes to bed around eleven o'clock at night, and I like. I don't know. I like series, some of the series that have been on. See Mrs. Maisel? No, I've just heard about that one, so I'm going to have to check it out. As a budding comedian. And I I wanted to, I don't know, I watched the series called Hannah. There was a movie first, and then they made it into a series, and I did enjoy that. And I like things that are kind of filmed around BC. It's always Mm. nice to look at things that are familiar. Play the game. So I, yep, I know where that is. Sabrina? No, you can't go there from here. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's not that close. Um, geez, I don't know. I watched Lucifer because it's weird. Um, I like him. I think she's not the best actress in the world, but it's entertaining. I, I like the demon. She's kick-ass. I like her a lot. One and a half. And, um, RJ, what'd you ask about food that? Show. Well, oh. Sabrina was filmed here. Uh, in the forest, like mission or something like that, and that's pretty cool to to see that setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, we both foodies, so we like food related shows. So one of the ones that we really got into when we blitzed was Midnight Diner and oh. Midnight Diner in Tokyo. I could never get Haley of Montreal to watch that. Oh my god, it was so much fun. The characters are are consistent. So you've got the yakuza guy, you've got the the um, police chief, 
you've got the dirty old man who goes to the strip bar and the stripper comes to the diner as well. And you've got the secret guy that sits in the corner and plays with the the utensils on the table and then will come up with something profound but makes no sense. <laughs> the QAnon guy. Yeah. Yeah. And the proprietor, he just sits and smokes a cigarette. And But the, every episode is based around a dish. And so at the end of it, they show you how to make the dish. Oh. And it's really interesting. I just found it funny, and there were some sad bits, and the characters are great. The development is great. So we blitzed that one. So that's interested. Yeah, that's a recommendation. What's that one called again? It's in subtitles, but very easy to read. Uh, Midnight, Midnight Diner and Midnight Diner in Tokyo. All right, all right. That's it. Was a great. lot of fun. Uh, we watched another one called Somebody Feed Phil. It takes a while. Because he's so hard to watch, I kind of thought he might have been maybe on the spectrum a little bit mm. at first, because he makes really weird hand gestures, and then he'll look straight at the camera, and he'll just go, <laughs> and then stare at you. <laughs> this is another foodie? It's another foodie. He travels all over the world, and he goes to various restaurants and tries different foods and talks to the people. He loves to talk to the people, so it's huh. turned out to be entertaining. But otherwise, I don't know. Oh, I just kind of don't that's... remember what I watch. It's Phil in the evening. I'm a night owl. I usually don't go to bed till around three. Ooh. So I'm just wow. filling the hour. Well, it's good we didn't start like noon or something. <laughs> wow. It's okay. I'm up at eight every morning. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. No, we never start at noon, Skin. <laughs> don't even well, suggest that. I, uh, yeah, okay. But it's lucky that, again, there's a... Happy coincidence of mm. lifestyles. That's all we have for the first of two episodes with Nancy of New West. What fun. We're looking forward to way more fun in the next episode. If anybody out there hearing this first episode is inspired to put their name out to come into the shed, make sure and let us know. Michael of Coquitlam, we got our eye on you, but you've returned to work, you fool. We'll have to schedule carefully for that. But that's all we got for today. Great fun so far. Nancy, you going to stick with us for another episode? I am. <laughs> good, good. Would have been pretty weird. Kind of awkward if you'd walked out now, that's for sure. <laughs> but we'll get on with that pretty quick. Say goodbye, boys. See you. Goodbye. That's Bye. That's some next level shit right there, man. <laughs> we're like episode 120 and we're actually trying to like, you figured it out right away. You just played along. Usually it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm blushing. Okay, you're on.